Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. insignificant or how big it may seem he gave everything he gave everything for you to bring you hope in your hopeless times to unchain you and bring you freedom that's how much he loves you don't leave today hopeless and chained leave today free and hopeful because of who your savior is his love for you. God, Jesus, let's talk to him with me for a minute. Lord, we love you. You're an amazing God. You're a loving Father. You gave so much because you loved us so much. And today, Lord, we can rest in that, that in you we have all hope. We don't have to be hopeless. We don't have to be chained and bound. We can be free and hopeful in you today because of what you did on the cross. You gave everything. You gave your life because you loved us so much. So today I pray that none of us leave hopeless today, but we leave hopeful and resting in that promise because you are unchanging and your word is unfailing and you're unshakable and we can rest in that and depend on you. Lord, to meet our every need and to bring us hope where we need it most. Oh, Lord, we worship you. We thank you for this time, this reminder of who you are. Now let your word go forth. Let it penetrate our hearts and our minds, Lord. Speak to us and draw us closer to you. Oh, we ask all these things in the awesome, precious, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Not, not too terribly long ago, a childhood friend posted a picture of me on Facebook. I was about nine. It was my Little League baseball team photo. You probably, this probably won't come as a great surprise to you. I had the biggest smile of anyone else on the team. Also had the largest uniform of anyone else on the team. You know, I remember looking at that picture and thinking, how cool was life at nine? When all you worried about was your next baseball game. All you worried about was just the joy of being alive. And then somehow, our, our lives get so convoluted and confused and busy. Anybody got a busy life? Yeah. yeah. When we started this sermon series, I, I, I'll, I'll kind of give you a, 
behind the scenes idea of how this came about. I was away on a, on a, uh, a trip that I take every year where I plan out our sermon series for the entire year. And I knew I wanted to do this Galatians series. And I just started reading through it. And the word freedom kept coming up. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's not what our enemy has tried to steal more than anything else. Is our freedom. And we tried to, to name some of the chains that he uses to keep us from living a life of freedom last week. And I'm not going to try to name because they, we came up with so many. And then at Life Group Sunday night, we came up with so many more. So this, this idea of freedom is just throughout the whole book. And then fast forward to just, you know, maybe six or eight weeks ago, I'm starting to prepare the, the meat of the sermon series. And I get to this one verse. And I think, that's the whole story. I read it to you last week. It's Galatians 1, 4. It says, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. We've made religion and church and Christianity and living for God so difficult. And it's really a beautiful process. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned to rescue us from this evil, evil world. So that was last week. We talked about that there was only one gospel, and there is only one gospel. And we said that my response to that gospel was to approach Christ with surrender. And I, I held this chain out, and I, I asked my beautiful, tiny little wife to come take this chain from me, and I'd forgotten how strong she was. And she pulled me off the stage. It was quite comical, because I, I didn't see it going that way. But how many, how many realize that, the, that, that Christ is going to take the chains that we let go of? And I wonder if you, like I, have dropped one of those chains only to reach behind you pick it up again is that anybody or just Dwayne no so if our first response is to surrender what what then that's what we're going to talk about today today we're going to talk about the right path have you ever gotten just lost now, I, I do from time to time get lost. My wife makes fun of me. My kids, when they're in the car, make fun of me. Or anybody else that makes fun of me. Because if I go from here home, I've got my GPS on. And people are like, don't you know how to get to your house? Are you that old? Do you not know how to get to your house? Yes, I just I like to have it on. So I don't get lost anymore. But I wonder if you've ever been like me and, and riding down the road and you know you have no idea where you're going. Now, what's the logical thing to do there? Stop, evaluate your surroundings, and get on the right path. Is that what we do? No. 
Because we think if we keep driving in our lostness, eventually we're going to get found. And that's how we live our life. We think if we keep riding around in our lostness, that eventually we're just going to wind up on the right path. And I'm going to tell you, that's not how this works. That's not how. (laughs) Y'all watch too much television. So today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2. And I'm going to start, we're going to read a verse that I, I, I want you to just really, really pay attention to. Galatians chapter 2 verse 16. And as I'm reading it, I'm going to ask you to pay attention to a couple of very key points, key scriptures, key words. Okay, so here we go. Galatians 2 and 16 says, yet we know that a person is made right with God. You might want to circle that phrase, made right with God. Underline it yellow highlight, whatever it is that you're doing. If you're reading from another translation, if you're reading from a King James Version, the word righteousness is probably there. Uh, Made right with God. I want you to, to, to highlight these next few words. By faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Jesus Christ. Highlight those words, believed in Jesus Christ. So that we might, and there's this phrase again, be made right with God. Because of our, and highlight this, our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever, and here's that phrase again, be made right with God by obeying the law. So the the phrases that I want you to pay attention to are made right with God. Faith in Christ, belief in Christ, faith in Christ, be made right with God. No one, the Bible says, will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Now, what a lot of people do when they're reading that passage, they think that the Bible's talking about the Ten Commandments. That that's the law. And I'm going to tell you that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is what Jewish law had become by the time Christ showed up. 613 written laws. And a whole slew of oral laws that were passed down by tradition had gotten the Jewish community in a place where you couldn't do nothing without breaking the law. Anybody grow up in a church like that, by the way? That everything, if you were, if you were doing it and smiling, it was probably sin. Okay, just me. So these 613 laws plus a whole slew of oral traditional laws had had bound these people who loved God with with the chain of religion and legalism because I'm not good enough to keep... Listen, we don't do so well with the 10. Can you imagine 613? why Why would God do that? The Bible tells us that God showed us the law to prove to us that we needed a Savior. Because I don't care how holy you think you are, you can't keep 613 laws. So Jesus showed up. I love what Donna had to say today. He did it all. He, he did it. Let's look at that phrase, faith in Christ. Uh, It says, we'll be made right with God by faith in Christ. Jesus Christ. I, I did a little study there. The word faith is a noun. And, and those of you that 
have been through you know a rudimentary elementary class, uh, English class, know that a noun is a person, place, thing, idea. Faith is something you have, something you hold. It's a thing. Faith, write this down, is conviction. And maybe a better word for, convi for conviction is convinced. So if I have faith in Christ, that means I am convinced that Jesus is everything he said he was. That Jesus is everything the Old Testament said he would be. That Jesus did the work of the Messiah when he came to this earth. I hold that conviction that Jesus is everything he said he was. See, we, we think that faith in Christ is, is something that it's uh, something that it's really not. We think faith in Christ means that, that, that Christ is going to do what I want him to do. And I'm going to tell you that that conviction of faith in Christ is more of being convinced of what he's already done. He's the work of your Pardon, the work of your forgiveness, the work of your salvation has been accomplished, and I am convinced of that. That's what faith tells me. And I, I, can, I can hold that. But that's not the only word he used, is it? He talked about faith, and he also talked about belief. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God. See, most people intertwine those, those two words, faith and belief. And I'm going to tell you that they're not the same. See, if you do a word study on the word believe, it's not a noun. It's a verb. And a verb is a word of action. Faith is something you have. Belief is something you do. Faith is something I can hold, that I have in my heart. Belief is my action that responds to, what I, what, what, to my faith. Did, did that make sense? Belief is my response to my faith. It, it's literally, the word literally means it's a trust with action. So we, we, we hear passages of scripture like, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So I think, well, all I have to do to be, to be okay with God is to acknowledge in my mind that Jesus is real. And I'm going to tell you that that's not it. See, belief requires action. Re belief requires that you do something. So the other phrase I wanted you to pay attention to was be made right with God. It may, it may read, read righteousness in your Bible. The word literally means justified. That phrase literally means justified. So if you replace justified, how is a person justified before God? And this is a, listen, if you don't get anything else, get this. Because here's where the enemy has lied to you. 
It told you that you weren't good enough. And that you didn't measure up. And that you weren't holy enough. And you got too much work to do on you. That word justified, I heard it broken up by a pastor one time like this. It's just if I'd never sinned. When I, by faith, believe God declares me right. In fact, that word literally means this. It's as if you are as you should be. How many of you have said with me, I'm, I'm not what I ought to be? <laughs> How many of you look in the mirror and go, yeah, you're not what you ought to be? Words come out of your mouth and you think, yeah, I'm not what I ought to be. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have looked at that. I shouldn't have, right, right, right? You, you there? When, because of the faith that I hold and the action that I have taken, and the work of Christ, God declares me as I should be. In his eyes, I'm as I should be. And that, y'all, is good news. So if faith is a conviction and belief is action, righteousness is a declaration from God that you are right. You are right before him. And the beautiful part of this is that's exactly why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come just so you clean up your act. You can't get that clean. Jesus didn't come just to make you act, make you act better because you can't act that good. And by the way, if it's an act, it doesn't mean anything anyway. So if... if Faith is a conviction and belief is an action and then righteousness is a declaration. What, what does that mean and, and how do we flesh that out? How do we live that? How do we, what is my part of that process? What is it that I must, what's the action that I got to take? I'm glad you asked. We're going to step outside of Galatians just for a second. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. Isn't that an interesting phrase there? Did you, say, did you notice that he didn't say, if you openly declare that Jesus is your Savior? How many know there's a difference between Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord? He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from dead. Ooh, what's that word? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? You'll be saved, for it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Faith and belief, they're a, it's, they, they work together. The, the faith that I hold and the, the belief that I have that is trust in what Christ did that moves me to action. If you're here Wednesday night, I, I, I kind of laid this out for you. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we're kind of going a little deeper into this, and, and see, what the Jewish people in the book of Galatians were dealing with, and oh, by the way, a lot of Christians still today, we believe that in order to, to get where we need to be with God, that we have to, first of all, earn God's favor. That I've got to, I've got to get 
I've got to clean my act up before I can come to Christ. I've got to earn his favor. And then somehow, by earning his favor, I now qualify to receive Jesus. See, that's exactly what was going on in the book of Galatians. They said, you know, before you can become a Christian, you've got to be a Jew. And there's all sorts of stuff. We talked about it last week, and it made me, kept me awake all night, and so uh, we're not going to talk about it anymore today. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that they had to do before you can come to Christ. And I'm going to tell you that that's not, that's not how it works. Well, I've got I to quit smoking and drinking and quit, you know, you know, watching TV that, you know, whatever. Whatever. Now, now listen, I'm... I'm not going to tell you, let me time out, disclaimer. I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not trying to tell you that your behavior doesn't matter. Because it does, right? Okay, I'm trying to tell you that your behavior didn't save you. There's only one thing that saves you. And that's your faith and belief in the person of Jesus Christ who loved you and gave your, himself for you. That's the Gospel. And you didn't earn it. That somehow we earn God's favor by our behavior and then we qualify to, to receive Jesus and then somehow for the rest of our life we try to, to, to live such a way that we keep God's favor. Does that sound... Paul called this life freedom. Does that sound free? It sounds like trying to keep these 613 laws for the rest of your life, and you're going to fail. I'm going to tell you that's not what Paul was trying to say in the book of Galatians. You know what he's trying to say? First of all, you've got to have faith in Christ. You've got you to know, you've got to be convinced that he's everything he said he was. And our belief moves us to action by following Christ. That's where belief becomes action is when you and I make a choice to follow Christ. So when we have faith in Christ, our belief moves us to follow him. Then we have freedom from the law. So let me tell you what that looks like. Here's what following Christ looks like. That means following Christ means I follow his example. What, don't you think it's interesting that God gave us four accounts of his life? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can, if, you, if you read about him enough, guess what will happen? You'll fall in love with him. Because you'll see that he served people everywhere he went and he loved people everywhere he went. And sometimes he just got so righteously indignant. He's kicking over tables in the, in the money changers' tent and, and he's loving on little kids. And you, you, you read about who he was and how he lived his life. And, and once you've been convinced that he really is the son of God, he really did give his life for you, and, and he really did die for your sins and for mine, and he really did rise again on the third day, and he really is alive today praying for you, and you read about who he was, you'll want to be just like him. That's, we follow his example. We follow and, and want to emulate. Now, are you going to get there one day? A long time from now, you'll get there. We're, oh, but isn't it beautiful? And I bet, and I say this all the time, but I want you to see this, y'all. Uh, you, you're not where you belong yet. You're not, you're not perfect yet. 
Most of y'all are like me. You got a long way to go. But man, I'm so glad I'm not what I used to be. So glad that God's changed me and he's molding me and he's shaping me. And I've made a choice to follow his example. So I follow his example and I follow his teaching. What did he tell us to do? Can I, this really isn't in the sermon notes, but can I just I drop this and, and y'all not throw anything at me? You don't know what he taught because you're not reading about what he did. I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, people ask me all the time, if I'm, if I'm going to read the Bible, where do I start? And I always tell people, to, don't start in Genesis. Don't, don't start in Lamentations. Right, Sabrina? Don't start in Lamentations. Do not start in Lamentations. Start in the book of John because you're going to read these words in the beginning was the Word. And the Word in that, in that story is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We're going to read in the first chapter of John that Jesus came to earth as God on foot, full of grace and truth. Read the chapter, read, read the book of John and see what he did. So what did Jesus teach? He taught a lot. Let's throw out a couple, okay? What did Jesus teach? Jesus taught us to repent. And, and repentance is a really, we, we've made that sound so religious. Repentance is, get this, please get this. Repentance is admitting that God is right and you are wrong. Confessing that about whatever deal you're dealing with. It's like, God, when I cussed that dude out for cutting me off on Highway 138, not, that's hypothetical. Completely hypothetical. <laughs> Completely. I, I shouldn't have done that. I let my anger get ahead of me. Or, or, or whoever that story might be about. <laughs> You're right. I shouldn't have done that. You're right. I'm wrong. Would you forgive me? And with your help and grace and mercy, I won't do that anymore. That's repentance. So we've made repentance believe... It, it's just some way of, of exercising our guilt. And I'm going to tell you that repentance is agreeing with God, that he's right and we're wrong, and turning away from it. That's what Jesus taught. Early in the book of John, it says, from that time on, Jesus told us to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What else did he teach us? He taught us to be baptized. I, I, I told you this. I don't know, a week or so ago. Maybe it was Wednesday night. I don't know. Baptism in the, in the early New Testament was not like baptism is today. Baptism in the New Testament was the, the front door of the church. But you had to get baptized before you could even take communion. And so what I'm telling you, what, what Jesus was saying, be baptized, he was talking about water baptism and doing all that. But, but that's part of being a part of the community of faith. In fact, the last thing that Jesus told us to do was to be a part of a community. That's what he taught. What else did he teach? Uh-oh, this is going to trip us all up, so I'm just going to throw it out there. He told us not to worry. Why are y'all giggling? Because we all do it, right? He said, he said, now this is Dwayne paraphrasing. He said, 
Worrying's never bought you anything. Worrying's never helped you at all. He's right, isn't he? So following Christ is more than me just kneeling and saying a prayer. Following Christ means for the rest of my life, I'll do all I can to follow his example and to follow his teaching. And I want you to listen to me. Jesus said that the people that would do that would go, could go through a narrow gate. I, I'm afraid that what we've done in 2019 is we've, we've created a culture of Christianity that's, that requires nothing. And I'm going to tell you that belief is action. Belief is doing what Jesus did and doing what Jesus said. Will you fail? Absolutely. But you know what we do when we fail? We repent. God, I'm not there, and I need your help. So what I think Paul was teaching us, especially in the first part of the book of Galatians, is that it's, it's not about you keeping these laws to earn God's favor. It's about falling in love with Jesus and his gospel, and you'll want to be just like him. See, it's not about following rules. It's about a response to a relationship. Oh, y'all. <laughs> How many of you want to follow Jesus? Just wave at me. Do you? Do you? Do you? How far? See, maybe you want to follow him to, to the point where he was healing people. Right? That's, that's cool. I want to follow him and make sure that, that my, my, my body is healthy and healed. I want to follow him that far. Or maybe you want to follow him as far as when, when he had a bill due and he just sent his disciples out to pull money out of a fish's mouth. You want to follow him that far. Right? That's, yeah, I want to follow him. I want to, some of you are like, I want to follow him to the wedding at Cana. <laughs> read about that. If you didn't get the joke, go home and read about it. Some of you want to, want to follow him to the point of your, listen, please, right here. You want to follow him to the point of your need. And if, if, you, if you follow him, for healing. Guess where you'll go when you don't need healing anymore? You'll walk away. If you follow him for provision, guess where you go when all the bills are paid? If you're, if you're following just to feel good because you're not happy with your life, guess where you go when you feel good? See, Jesus Jesus never said, pick up your sickness and follow me. Never said that. He never said, pick up your checkbook and follow me. He never even said, take your backpack full of sin and regret and follow me. That's not what he said. 
He said, take up your cross and follow me. If I'm going to follow Jesus, i got to follow him all the way to Calvary. And you say, Dwayne, why, why should I? Didn't, didn't he do it all? Yes, he did it all. But let me tell you what he's called you and I to do. Is to model his example by laying down not, our, not just our sin, not just our sickness, not just our depression, not just our financial need. He's called us to lay down our life. And Paul had this figured out. Because if you'll skip down just a couple of verses, verse 20 says, my old self has been what? Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Our response to the love of God and, and the service of our Savior that loved us enough to give himself. Does that not still blow you away? Does that thought not blow you away that, that Jesus, who didn't need anything from you, left the most incredible place there is and walked this earth with all of its nonsense and all of its hurt and all of its pain, and he did it on purpose for you, who loved me and gave himself for me, is what we just read. Does that not still blow your mind? We've heard that story so many times. But it ought to just, it, we should never let that story get old. That he loved me enough to give himself for me. Didn't he do it for the whole world? Yeah, yeah. Please hear this. I, I love, I, I've been saying this, this phrase for 25 years, and I love saying this because I believe it to the core of my being. That if you'd have been the only one that needed him, if, if there was one soul in the history of humanity, of all the 10 billion people that have walked this planet, it'd just been one. It'd just been me. It'd just been you. You'd have been the only one. Guess what would have happened? An angel would have announced his birth on Christmas. He'd have been born in a manger. He'd have lived a sinless life for 33 years. And he would have taught you how to live for 33 years. And then he would have dropped his life for you. Period. Just for you. So what's my response? To say a prayer, to fill out a card, to join a church, all those things are wonderful. That's not my response. My response is okay. Because you did that. The life I lived is gone. 
The plans that I had for me, they're gone. I am crucified. I don't own a life anymore. The only life I have is the one you gave me. Does that change the way you work at your job and the way you treat your wife and the way you, you, you run from addiction and the way you run from depression? Does it change? Absolutely. In fact, it's not a rule anymore, is it? It's a response. Dwayne, that's, is that the end of the story? I just lay my life down? Romans 6 and 8 says, and since we died with Christ, we'll also live with him. I want you to hear this. See, I, I'm going to tell you what the enemy does every time I put together a message like this. Dwayne, what, what, what is that about? Those people are saved. They've, they've, they're Christians. What is that about? You're not going to have a room full of people who don't know Jesus. And I'm going to tell you that it's more than that. See, I do believe that there are a lot of people who profess Christ as Savior. Who haven't grasped the idea that my response to him is to lay down my life. We even ask it. When we ask you to make a commitment to him, we ask you the wrong way. How many want to invite Jesus into their life? Why would he want to come into, into what I had? I don't want Jesus in my life. I want Dwayne in Jesus' life. I, I want to trade the path that I was on for the right path. And the right path is with everything in me, with everything in you, laying our lives down in pursuit of this man Jesus, and then you'll know life like you've never known. That's what our all-in series was all about, the abundant life of Christ. And so I, I want to finish this message with just this thought. What's keeping you from following him with everything? What, what is it that you're hanging on to that you, you're just afraid to drop? I don't want to start naming them, but, but you know what they are. Some, can I tell you what mine is? You know what I worry about too much? I worry too much about what people think of me. I worry too much about the opinions of men. I struggle with that. I get around a, a group of preachers, and I think, I don't belong here. I'm just, y'all don't judge me. I'm just being honest with you. I think they got their stuff together. And, and, and if I was a better preacher, if I was a better leader, our church would be bigger by now. Man, the enemy hits me with that hard. That's a chain. What's yours? What's that thing? It's holding you back from being who God wants you to be. What's that thing that you're like, I want to follow him all the way, but there's this thing. There's this anger. There's this attitude. There's this addiction. 
There's this habit. There's this resentment. There's this depression. There's this worry. What is it? And I'd like to tell you that just like my wife almost yanked this chain out of my hand, that Jesus probably isn't going to yank it out of your hand. I will promise you something. If you'll die, if, how many know a dead man can't hang on to anything? If you lay down your life and drop it, guess what he'll do? He'll pick it up. He'll take it. I believe with everything in me that whatever that chain was, he bore on the cross and redeemed it. So I'm just asking to join me today dropping the chain. Whatever it is, for some of you, it's going to be difficult, I know. Because you've been carrying that chain so long, you, you can see the imprint in your hand because of how tightly you've gripped it. And I'm going to make you promise that a completely surrendered life to Christ is the best life you'll ever live. And that, you know, you know I, I have this image of Christ in front of me longing for my surrender and my submission. So what's it going to be? Donna, come and play just softly. The answer to whatever you've been looking for, I don't care how long you've been saved, 10 days or 60 years, the answer isn't following the rules. The answer isn't getting better at your religion. The answer is dying. The answer is being crucified with Christ. And I know that sounds all confusing, I guess. But let me tell you what he's calling us to do is just to take the life that we're hanging on to and, and letting go. Because there's something that the enemy's trying to keep you entangled with. I just want you to let it go today. I want you to give Jesus a chance to prove you wrong. I've had people talk to me about habits that they've had for so long and say, you just don't understand. I can't. Well, you know, you're right. But if you say you can't, you're calling Christ a liar because he said you could. He said you could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I don't know what it is that is your chain. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to lay it down. Why don't you pray with me? Bow your heads. Nobody looking around here. I just, just so I know who to pray for this morning.
If you hear say, Dwayne, um, I got some stuff I'm hanging on to pretty tight, and, and I need to let it go. If that's you, just wave your hand at me. Wow. Wow. Hey, I'm going to challenge you to get brutally honest with God this morning. I can't tell you how to, I can't, I'm not going to pray, I'm going to pray for you, but I can't pray in your place. Does that make sense? Get brutally honest with God. God, I'm hanging on this really tight, and part of me doesn't want to let it go. Because I kind of like it. But I know it's stopping me from becoming who you've called me to be. I know it's stopping me from becoming the man or woman of God that you've called me to be. And in order to follow you completely, in order to pick up my cross and follow you and lay down my life and follow you, i I got to let it go. And I'm having a hard time. See, I, I, I believe that God honors that kind of prayer. And the Holy Spirit will empower you if you'll ask Him to. So I'm going to pray for you. Listen, if, if you're here in the building and, and you, you want to gather around these altars and pray, um, you're more than welcome. If you want to pray right where you're at, that's fine. Uh, I will tell you, sometimes there's something, there's something special about coming and kneeling around an altar. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So if you want to come and pray around these altars, then you are welcome to come now. If you want to pray right where you're at, then that's fine. But if you raised your hand and you said, Dwayne, there's, there's some stuff I'm hanging on to, uh, I, I'm going to challenge you to pray a brutally honest prayer with God. God, I want to let this go, but I need your help. And call it by name. Don't, you know, you know don't, get, don't get cute with God. Call it by name. If it's an addiction, God, I, I, I'm hanging on to this, and part of me wants to hang on to this addiction, but I, I, I need your help. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your love and for your mercy and thank you for your willingness to send your only son, Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. And now this morning, we, we need you. God, there's many of us today that are saying we, we want to walk with you. We want to follow Jesus. But there's some chains that are holding us back from becoming everything you want us to be and everything you've called us to become. And so today, God, with your help and your strength and your anointing and your power, we let them go. We, re we repent of them when there's sin. And let them go. Forgive us, oh God, for hanging on to something that you know, we know you want us to let go of. And we repent and we let them go. And it's scary. But we trust you. I can't say I believe in you and not have a trust that leads me to action. So I trust you. I don't trust me, but I trust you and I let it go. And it's yours. And with your help and grace and mercy, strength and power and anointing, I'm leaving it in your hands. It's not going to be a chain I'm going to pick up anymore. Somebody say that by faith. I am not picking this chain up anymore. I'm letting this go forever. And I don't, I don't do this often, but I'm telling you that that, that, was, that was a word for somebody that if, 
if you'll be obedient to God and you'll let go of that chain today by faith and belief, you're letting go of something permanently this morning. And maybe, maybe just, this might seem silly, but, but maybe just in a way to just seal it in your mind before you say amen to your prayer. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold your hand out and just open it like you're dropping a chain. Lord, thank you. Leave this place unchained. Amen. You want to give the Lord praise. Amen.